0: Hi, and welcome to Heart of the Matter. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. We have a lot to cover tonight. A great topic, some announcements, possibly a special guest to share something very important with you. We'll see how it goes. All right, let's petition the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We're grateful for this time. Help us to have your spirit. Let us speak in truth and only truth because that is the way to get to know you, Lord. We pray for those who are viewing. We pray for the studio. In Jesus' name, amen. We had a caller two weeks ago who presented himself as informed and educated in the LDS religion, but who was for all intents and purposes blind not only to the historical facts of Mormonism, but to biblical truth. He purported to be nearly a PhD, those were his quotes, but was ignorant of some of the basic information about the religion he claimed was true and essential uh, to being saved. Have you ever met a person who was blind in their heart, who could hear, but at the same time was deaf? Isaiah said, hear ye deaf, and look ye blind, that ye may see. Why are some people deaf and blind to the truth when it is presented plainly right before them? How can people have the parts for perception, but not the ability to use them? Listen to the prophet Jeremiah. Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus explains that he speaks in parables because there are those who will not hear. And those who will not see, even though they're standing right in front of him. Jesus then goes on to say something that's really insightful. Matthew thirteen, fifteen through sixteen. He says, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should one see with their ears, two See with their eyes, excuse me, two, hear with their ears, and three, should understand with their heart, should be converted, and I should heal them. Now, when he says that they have waxed gross in their heart, the translation in the Greek, the heart is thought of as the mind, is always the center of thought when you're talking, not always, but mostly in the Greek. And so it really should be translated: their mind has grown fat. That's what Jesus says. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have closed. Why? Jesus gives us the answer right there. People close their eyes and ears and let their minds grow fat so they won't, one, see with their eyes, two, hear with their ears, three, understand with their heart, four, be converted, and five, and this is great, that they could be healed by him. Do you see the order of that, how Jesus put that those people who can't see and hear, they they do that because they don't want to go through that process. That is beautiful. Then Jesus says to those who do hear and do see, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears they do hear. I have met literally hundreds of people since starting in this ministry and before from all walks of life, from Jews and atheists and Jehovah's Witnesses and Catholics and Mormons and Christians and humanists and pagans, all of them, who at some point in their existence were suddenly able to hear and suddenly were able to see. Uh, And then they understood in their heart and then they were converted and then they were healed by Jesus. That's the order. This is spiritual rebirth my LDS brothers and sisters. This is what it is. And no matter where they have come from, they all know where they're headed to be with the Lord when they take their last breath. They saw, they heard, they understood with their heart, they converted, and He healed them. This is rebirth. For those of you who question all the time, what is it? Unfortunately, I have met far too many people, some people who are very evil and sinister And absorbed in sins of the flesh and some people who are very good and patriotic and law-abiding who do not, who will not, who cannot hear or see with spiritual eyes and ears. They are truly blind and deaf to the truth. The Word of God presents a a, a number of general reasons for spiritual blindness, and I'm going to talk about three right now. The first is quite obvious. People are blind from being in the dark. What kind of darkness are we talking about? Ephesians 6.12 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I've always maintained that there are two operating systems in our world. Just two. One is the Lord's, and which is light, and one is Satan's, which leads to darkness. Where Ephesians 2.2 2 reads, Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, John uh, 12 responds, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Without the light of the world illuminating the dark, we all find ourselves unable to see, unable to hear from the murky corners where we exist. Everyone must come out of the darkness and into his light. 1 Peter 2, 9. Listen. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. All right? Now, the LDS say that you are born a child of light, that you don't have really a need to come out of this darkness that the world operates under because you're born a child of light. But Second Peter says that we all have to come out from this darkness and into his marvelous light. All the followers of Jesus must do that. And we are not born children of light. We must come out of the darkness to be so. Spiritual darkness is the domain of all things, not of God. In other words, whether you are an evil sin-filled predator or a patriotic, law-abiding, upstanding civic leader, you are in spiritual darkness until you have come out into his light. Period. That's all. That's all. Two operating systems. You're in one or the other. And outward presentations of goodness and honor are not necessarily indicative of an inward ability to see and hear the Lord. Just remember the Pharisees of Jesus' time. Outward, whited sepulchers, but inward, full of dead, dried bones. Another obvious cause for spiritual blindness and deafness is sin. Some sins, like those of the flesh, take a participant down a road that is very ugly. If you have lived long enough, you have seen people, friends, family who have gone down roads of sin where those sins have destroyed them. I hate carnal sin because of what it does to people that I love. I hate drugs. I hate alcohol. I hate all those things because of what they do to people who are otherwise have good hearts. It traps them and it blinds them. Sin does that. I've watched four very close friends, one my brother, waste away into oblivion because of sin. I hate sin. But the sins of avarice and lust and greed only represent one category of sins that blind and deafen people. Few things are more effective in blinding spiritual eyes or deafening spiritual ears than the sins of pride, ego, and religious arrogance where sin of fleshly carnality often leads to self-disgust and loathing and despair, they also have the potential to lead a desperate sinner to God, to say, please God, save me from this state that I've got myself into. And that happens quite a bit. We find that in many Christian churches. People who are out on the fringe, maybe you're one of them, who cry out to God and He steps in and He brings in His marvelous light that converts them and heals them and then they can see, and then they can hear. But the sins of religious and spiritual pride and arrogance and ego often do more to distance a people from God than any other sin on the face of the earth. This is what makes errant doctrines and religiosity so threatening to the light of Christ. This is what makes religious piety and hypocrisy and, and certainty such a heinous detriment to spiritual sensitivity. Remember, the Pharisees were not blinded by their failures. They were blinded by their goodness and their piety and their religious pride and their personal worthiness. And Jesus seemed to hate, attack, and dismiss these categories of sin more than anything else. He was all over this type of sin. Finally, and somewhat paradoxically, another cause of spiritual blindness is blinding counterfeit light. When I was about 10 years old, my parents had me go out into the backyard pool, which was drained, and to scrub it with acid and and chlorine to try to get the stains off of it. And it was a summer afternoon, and after a while, I lost my vision. I completely went snow blind from the reflection of the pool into my eyes. I was blinded, like Springsteen says, by the light. I couldn't see a thing for a couple hours. I understand what it means to be blinded by the light. The scriptures allude to the idea that Satan has three forms under which he tempts uh, men and women. He comes as a subtle serpent, he comes as a roaring lion, and he comes as an angel of light. As a subtle serpent, Satan keeps much of the world under his oppressive control by dark powers that rule this earth. In my last years, my 17 years of searching for truth, I got heavily involved in reading about Marxism. I rest, read Das Kapital and I, and I read uh, the, Communist, the Communist Manifesto. And I got into Marx and Engels and Lenin and Trotsky and Stalin. And I actually believed for a period of time that they were, actually had something that would provide some truth. And one night when we lived in Park City, I had this dream. And I'm not saying it's, it's anything, I don't know what it was. But I was allowed to visit the apartment in London of of uh, Karl Marx and Jenny von Westphalen, and their home, and the darkness that I felt in that apartment as I was in there viewing it, and this tattered furniture and this pervasive darkness was amazing. Well then I woke up or I thought I woke up from the dream and I went and I looked out the window of our bedroom and we were on an acre of land at that time and I saw hundreds of thousands or millions of people who were just wandering around in the dark and just tatters and to me it was I was seeing the the result of communism the dark powers that that Satan uses to keep people under control. As a subtle serpent Satan keeps much of the uh, world under control by um, uh, the dark powers. As a roaring lion, he seeks to captivate us through the flesh. And he seeks to, like a lion would, pounce upon us, take control of us, devour us, pull us into the darkened den so that we ultimately are blinded to life when as a roaring lion he traps us. But I propose that as an angel of light, Satan is at his diabolical best, which makes him perhaps most effective in keeping people in the dark. Remember that Elvis song? You look like an angel, walk like an angel, talk like an angel, but I got wise. You're the devil in disguise. Where the subtle serpent thrives on the gray world of materialism and humanities and academia, and the roaring lion pins us to the earth by our lusts, Satan reserves his most ingenious desensitizations for the religiously superior, the capable, the strong, the organized. Where God says, Faith in my holy son, Satan blinds religionists with, Look at how good you are, look at your accomplishments. Look at your strength, look at your numbers. You must be true, you must be right. And they remain unwittingly, unknowingly, arrogantly blinded by the light. Before we go to the phones, operators are answering them now, I want you to imagine for a moment to give you an illustration, a gorgeous valley. I'm talking gorgeous, snow-capped mountains, crystal streams running through it, beautiful gold and green meadows it is a beautiful, beautiful valley provided by God. And men and women are walking about in this valley, and they are praising God and His creation, and they're reading His Word, and they have a relationship with Him directly. Well, along in the valley comes some men who decide, well, we think a building should be built here. And so they bring in the earth movers, and they cut the ground, an enormous piece of ground, and they start to put up the uh, Everything that's going to be needed for this monstrosity of a building, and it's going to be a beauty. No Spence is expired. They put in the plumbing and the electrical, the foundation, and they start building the steel girders. 2,000 feet tall with antique mirrors on the outside and inside it's ornate and beautiful with all the trappings that you would want. And then as people begin to file in, they, they provide a manual about what's to be done in here. And there's cafeterias, and there's places to worship, and there's all these things in this most miraculous building. And people go in there, and they begin to exist. And they begin to think that this is reality. And they begin to see the things around them, and the way they interrelate with each other, and the, what the manuals say, and everything else, they think it's truth. And they will fight to the tooth and nail that they have the truth. Think about the mindset of someone in that building, and then think about the mindset of the people who have remained outside. That is the difference between religion and a relationship with the Lord. It's the difference between being blinded by the light and being able to see and hear when the Lord is giving you his truth. Okay, we're gonna go to Lucy, a first-time caller on line one. Lucy, you're on Heart of the Matter.
1: Hi. It's been hard getting through to you. Mm. I feel like Dorothy from
0: The Wizard of Oz trying to reach The Wizard. Oh, well, I hope hope it's not that, but... uh,
1: (laughs) No. What's happening? I have a comment, and then I have a question, and then I'll hang up. Okay. And my comment is directed to uh, Mormon uh, women listeners, Mormon women who are young, sweet mothers and wise, loving grandmothers and caring primary teachers. And I just ask them to read Revelations 22, verses 18 and 19 and then after they read these verses they'll realize that Joseph Smith did something very bad and um, children's ears are very tender and vulnerable and I would say please Mormon women don't be like me do study your Bible before you speak to children about God and then that's my comment and this is my question Um, there have been many generations of Mormon women teaching Joseph Smith's personal themes to small children who can't read yet. And how accountable are those of us who have taught children Joseph Smith's themes? And I'm, I'm feeling guilty. And um, I'll hang up now, but I, I want to say thank you, Sean. You're a great teacher. Thanks, Lucy. You're going to watch on the air now? I, yeah, I'm going to watch on the air because okay. I've been ha- holding on for a week now.
0: <laughs> I'll answer your question on the air. Okay, thanks. God bless. You know... Um, I I know what keeps us from living with God is faith in Jesus. And all of us are sinners. So, Lucy, if you taught Joseph Smith to young children, you operated under that dark world system at the time, which you thought was right, I'm sure. I doubt that now you would go and take a child and teach that child things that you know were not true. I could hear in your voice that that wouldn't be the case. So we've all made mistakes, and we've all done things that uh, we can't be proud of relative to the Word and the Bible. But God is gracious. God can take bad things and make them good. He's the great physician. He can fix and heal and turn all things around. So He will work in those children. He loves them as much as He loves me or you. And we just move forward and don't let the dark side grab us and pull us back and say, look what you did, look what you did. It keeps us from moving forward. And, and when people are believers, that's his sole objective, is to get you to stop being functional and to stop contributing. He wants to take a believer and he just wants to make them worthless. And that's why we have a lot of pressure when we've come to know the Lord. To, to constantly sin and turn from that is because he, uh, Satan wants us to make us inept and inert. Okay, we're going to Jeff in Boise. Jeff, you're on Heart of the Matter.
2: Hey, how you doing?
0: Doing well. How are you?
2: I am excellent. Excellent. Hey, grace and peace to you. Is this Sean? It is. Hey, they ought to call you Paul, brother.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Grace and peace to you. God bless you. And you know, the Lord, the Lord through the Spirit, just just came upon me while I was waiting and just, just told me, you know, that he no longer calls you a servant, that he calls you a friend, and that he's pleased with your work. Yeah. You know, it's a wonderful thing. I was also LDS, and when I was a kid, left the church and, and went to Catholic and Lutheran and Presbyterian and, and all that, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's none of that's what God wants. It's in your heart. Mm-hmm. And I can see your heart through your speech, and I can see the love, even though you're agitating people. You you know, you get really riled up, man, and and that's <laughs> a good thing, because it gets them thinking, you know, if they get mad, you know, maybe they could turn to the Word. Yeah. Know? And you give them that Word, man, it's just... It's just a beautiful thing what you're doing, you know. It's like, man, I really want to read your book now, too.
0: Hey, Jeff, uh, email us and uh, send me your address, and we'll send it out to you. Um,
2: well, the truth is, brother, I, I just uh, don't have anything to do with computers.
0: Okay, well, stay on the line. You're on line three, and an operator will pick up and get your address, and we'll send it from here.
2: Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Hey, keep up the good work, brother, and God bless you. And I'll have you in my prayers tonight, and, and it's, you know, it's it's, just wonderful to see this. This is only the second time I've seen your show, but my spirit just leapt last week when I saw it. I tried to get in the last couple of minutes.
0: Thanks so much for calling, Jeff. Man, I
2: sure appreciate it. Thank you, you so Keep much. and prosper you.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Brother, bye.
0: I have to tell you, uh, listening audience, I was a little hesitant. We've had three or four calls in the past from someone who has sounded a lot like Jeff from Idaho who have been very rude. And uh, I was thought he was going to kind of set me up, so I was a little hesitant. Uh, but he was very nice, and we appreciate his call. We're going to Brad on line two in Salt Lake. Brad, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh,
3: give the Mormons a break. I, I had a question for you. I called a couple of weeks ago and had a little tirade against the Mormons. I don't know if you remember. Um, I was wondering, what version of the Bible do you recommend for study? there's so many out there there's the new international version there's the king, new king james i i've been studying the old testament king james right now yeah that's the one i grew up with which one would you say is a, is a modern day christian would you recommend well so, uh, were you
0: lds i was that's why i'm kind of partial to the king james okay and and uh how long have you been out of the church oh a couple of years now A couple of years and uh, how steeped are you in studying the, the Bible? How far along have you gotten? Uh,
3: I'm on 1 uh, Kings right now, just uh, Solomon's dedicating the temple.
0: I have a question for anybody who's been LDS and who is uh, looking to find a good Bible. This is a great question, by the way. And I love the King James Version Pilgrim Edition. Now, it's hard to get. You can get it online from uh, these different bookstores and things. But the Pilgrim Edition of the King James Version is excellent. Uh, because it's, it's to be frank, it's written for a younger crowd. It's old. It was written like in the 50s, but it really teaches you uh, what the Word is saying, and I would start with that. As far as it's regular Bible, I like the new King, King James Version. I, because I was LDS, I still use the King James Version. I like it. You know, we, we did have one advantage uh, as Latter-day Saints. When we did read the Bible, we did learn to read the King's English, uh, whether it be in the Bible or the Book of Mormon. So, uh, uh that was a that was one event, so i've kind of stuck to that. I have friends who are in the ministry who I went through uh through uh graduate school with who are just uh all over the place with different bible versions, but I like the King James
3: yeah, I like it too it makes you you kind of have to think a little bit you know yeah um i kind of look at others I've read some different new testaments and this is basically this is my second time reading it you know completely through you know i don't think you can read it enough, but i you know I just was wondering. Well, keep. Thanks for the
0: questions. A good one. Hey, you have a great day. Keep up the good work, brother. Thanks so much. God bless you. God bless you too. Bye bye. We're going to Wayne and Ogden. First time caller, Wayne. You're on Heart of the Matter. Sean, you're the man. Hey, no, I, I am not the man. I am not the man. How are you? Good. Love your show, brother. Been watching
4: since since week one. I, I appreciate your program. Watching every week.
0: Oh, awesome, Wayne. Thank you.
4: Listen, I wanted to let you know I got your back on your opening comments this evening uh, pertaining to Joseph Smith's uh, method of translation, or dictation, if you will. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, some know all called in and blasted you for your assertion that Joseph dictated the Book of Mormon by placing a seer stone in his hat. That's yeah. All of the eyewitness accounts indicate that that's the way that it was done. Now, how about this? Here is a statement from one of your own. How about from Apostle Russell M. Nelson? This is from your own publication, the Ensign Magazine, July 1993, page 61. This is adapted from an address that Elder Nelson gave at the new mission president's seminar in uh, Provo. This is Elder Nelson speaking an excerpt from his address. The details of this miraculous method of translation are still not fully known, yet we do have a few precious insights. (laughs) And he says, Joseph Smith would put the seer stone into a hat and put his face in the hat, drawing it closely around his face to exclude the light, and in the darkness the spiritual light would shine. Well, there you have it.
0: Fantastic
4: quote. There it is. You can get online, lds.org. You can read it yourself. Elder Nelson is fully aware of the translation method that Joseph employed.
0: Wayne, that is a fantastic addition to the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate your show. Keep up the good work. Okay, Wayne. Bye-bye. By the way, D. Michael Quinn, who wrote Origins of Power and uh, Magic Worldview, uh, claims, and I don't know if this is true, but claims that the first presidency has the seer stone in their office, and I'm not sure that they, uh, it, that they actually uh, keep that a secret. They might, they might readily uh, show that to people. I don't know. But I know it's just a rock that he found in a well that he was digging, jo- Joseph found in a well, and it's got a little hole in it, and it was a seer stone. And, and the thing that I mentioned earlier is that he would go uh, and translate the, the plates that way or translate something that way, but he also used to seek for treasure he, we documented evidence that he'd look in that stone and he would see uh, guardians of the treasures under the earth move and move around and things with it, too. So uh, that's the history behind that. I, please try me to read. Let me read this question really quick. Found 1950 Book of Mormon when Joseph Smith plates don't show to anyone or you, Joseph Smith, will be destroyed. Why wasn't he destroyed? Uh, I don't believe he, I think he was given permission by via revelation that it was time for him to show the plates. I know that in uh, the Book of Mormon, I believe it's 1 Nephi, there's a reference that talks about him being, there being three witnesses to the plates. So there was something that he was going to be able to show uh, people uh, those plates at a certain given point in time. You know, I have a a little side issue for whatever it's worth, but I think that if, I think Joseph Smith had plates made actually, and I think those plates are around somewhere. I think it would be one of the best, greatest archeological finds to see where he buried those things. If he threw them into a well or buried them down into a deep hole to get rid of I mean, you don't get rid of plates. You don't bend them up usually. He probably just said, I'm, I'm through with using these now. I've got the book, and he threw them down somewhere. So probably somewhere where he was just finishing up Translating, quote, the Book of Mormon, he buried those suckers. I wish I had enough money to go out and just do a big excavation and find them. All right, we're going to Michael in Ogden, line two. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter.
5: Okay, great. Um, yeah, the question I have for you, actually, I want to point two things out. I, I came, I'm not from this area, I'm from North Carolina. I came one day a week from actually, um, I had the baptismal interview. Are mm-hmm. you familiar with that? I am. Okay, and uh, I've actually still got the baptismal interview questions they gave me, and then that night I prayed as they asked me to, and um next day I said, nah, no yeah. thanks. Thanks to God. Yeah. Um, but um, I was wanting to mention two things. First off, the, the baptismal interview questions, they... Um, they're pretty, I mean, I don't recall any of these things being in the Bible. Do you use some of these questions?
0: You know, it's been a long time since I've heard those for a convert. Do you know? remember Remember what I, they are quickly?
5: Got them right in front of me, though.
0: Yeah, read them real quick. It
5: says, uh, first off, well, remember, uh, do you believe that God is our eternal Father? Do you believe Jesus Christ Son, God and the Savior and Redeemer of the world? Okay, okay that's okay, but then I'm going to just shoot to the ones that kind of bother me. Um, it says, have you ever committed a serious crime? If so if so um are you now on probation or parole have you ever participated in an abortion or homosexual relationship wow and then it says um but that was the one that hit me which i haven't done either you was, don't
0: have to justify yourself here on the air and i i understand where you're coming from it's like look if i've come to to believe in jesus and i'm being baptized in his name what the heck does all this have to do with anything? Do they only baptize people who uh, don't have criminal records?
5: <laughs> yeah, and I was wondering, you know, like, um, that's why I was at, you know, I always was curious. Um, and like I said, I did pray that. They said, let's pray tonight. And, you know, the elder that uh, had the interview with me. And then the next uh, day, I, I, um, he called me on my cell phone and I told him, I said, you know, um, I said, before you tell me your decision, because he, wanted, he was going to tell you his decision whether or not it would be oh. accepted. Yeah. And, um, you know, after he prayed. And I said, before you tell me that, I said, I, I've decided not to do it because I, I had, I don't know what you want to call it, but a, a pretty crazy dream and um, uh, hopeful. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't do it. But the other thing is uh, that I wanted to shoot at you real quick is, are you familiar with, um, I'm sure you are, the um, encyclopedia? Are you a, a cradle Mormon? Yeah. Because I've only watched your show a couple times.
0: Yeah, Encyclopedia of Mormonism? Yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar with it.
5: All right, page 97. I got it right in front of me. Don't read it. The Baptism of, uh, baptism of the Dead.
0: Oh, you know what? Uh, call back next week or I'm going to get that. we got to keep it moving, though.
5: Yeah, but, and then the whole the book. I mean, they taught the the um, uh, encyclopedia of Mormonism itself says right here. I, I can't read it all. Like I said, we got to keep it moving. But um, yeah, I will come back next week. But it tells I me mean, um, in there that. Um, that it uh, that when he says they he was speaking to the third party Paul he said why do they baptize for right. that he was speaking to the Christians you know right. church and why would? And he would say you 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 all through this letter but then he said they, they. right
0: hey it's good stuff page 97 Encyclopedia of Mormonism thank you so much for the call I'm glad you uh, didn't get dunked you you saw through it thanks so much
5: I love your show man I just watched it twice but um, I mean I just started watching but I love it
0: thanks so much God bless hey. All right, we're going to John on line one. First time caller, John from Salt Lake City.
6: Hey, John, how are you?
0: Good, you're on Heart of the Matter, buddy.
6: Yeah, thanks. Hey, uh, love your show. Thanks. Watch it every Tuesday night, although I am a practicing, believing Mormon.
0: Sorry if I get too harsh on you, John.
6: Oh, don't be too harsh on me.
0: <laughs> I, I love people, I'm telling you.
6: You, you and me both. Good. I got, a, I got a comment, and then I also have a question for you. Okay, a uh, comment. You know, I've noticed that you've quoted Bushman quite a bit. Yeah. And Bushman wrote that book to appease his critics. First of all. Hmm. Uh, secondly, um, I think kind of the summation of Bushman's book is that Joseph Smith was, um, you know, he said, yeah, he was, he was, he was searching for gold, treasures, things like that. But point being, he was searching. It okay. shall be given; seeking shall find. Okay. So was a man that was searching. Um, but my, you know, what, what my comment is that yeah, Joseph Smith did have faults, much like Abraham had faults, Moses, Paul had faults. But he was refined through uh, through God and through the atonement of Jesus Christ. So that's my that's my comment.
0: Well, John, the only, you know what, I, I really honestly, I posted this on our message board uh, last night. I really, the history of the church, I go down this road uh, often because many Latter-day Saints aren't familiar with it. You've read Bushman, you've read other things, so you know. But I do that pri- primarily because I get so many people... Writing and saying that that these things are just not true and so I do that, but I frankly don't care what Joseph Smith's character was like I really don't I don't care about all their strange history But what I do care about is that Latter-day Saints will say they they do believe that they're Christian and And if you really take an academic stance and look at Christianity and Mormonism, they just are not compatible and it angers me that they are kind of getting people to think that they are Christian when, in fact, they deny the basic fundamental of grace.
6: Okay, now this is, this is this leads into my co- uh, question. Okay, you got to be quick. I, okay, you believe in the resurrection? Yes. You believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected? Yes. And then he became a part of God's spirit?
0: No, I believe he took his body with him.
6: Okay, so he is a, a mortal, uh, an immortal being with his body? Yeah. And so... See, this is where I differentiate and where I don't understand your uh, theology is, from what I understand, born-agains believe that God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost are one being.
0: They do. They believe that they're one God, not one being.
6: Okay. One God in purpose, but three separate beings.
0: No, that's LDS.
6: (laughs) I know it's LDS, but I don't understand how Christ can be a resurrected being But being one God with God the Father.
0: Well, John, you know what? I I, I understand your question. Explain it to me because I don't understand it. Well, you're not going to understand the Trinity. And frankly, if... Well, I
6: understand the the theology of the Trinity because I've read the
0: Law of Canonics. I've read uh, um, uh, Augustine's... Yeah. uh, So you understand the Trinity. I don't understand the Trinity because if if our minds which are finite can understand an an infinite god you know it's just impossible for me to get my arms around that but but that's part of the thing with being lds is they can grasp all concepts and put it into logical form
6: i think that's because god is a logical being
0: i I think god is too but god is he is he is so much bigger than we are john absolutely absolutely i agree uh, listen, you know what? We got to keep it moving for the sake. But please email me. And let's talk there. Yeah, I love your show. Thanks a lot, John. You take care. Hey, stay cool. Okay, God bless. Bye, bye. Out. We're going to Douglas and Murray. Douglas and Murray, go on, brother. Um, I wanted to just read real quick Second Timothy chapter
4: four, starting with verse three. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure uh, afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. Wow. And I wanted to point out just one thing. Jesus said... On several occasions to the disciples have you not been with me long enough to know the Father right and he meant by that I am right it says that in the Bible I am right I am Jesus I'm God I am the Father I'm God yeah and he was asking the disciples don't you realize that if you are talking to me and if you're getting love for me you're also getting love from the Father right who is in me and in you. Right. He, so he was talking about the fact that God the Father, Jesus, and the Spirit are in essence in one, and that love descends, and he takes our pleas and our and our love to the Father also.
0: Well, I and my Father are one is pretty simple, isn't it? Uh yeah,
4: pretty basic. This
0: just, just is pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, you have
4: a nice evening, you
0: guys. Thanks, Doug. Bye-bye. Hey, guy now. Bye. Listen, I challenge you to go to our website, www.bornagainmormon.com. On there, we have all of our past shows, and we have shows that are on the Godhead. We have shows on the Trinity, we have, we, and you can go through, and we discuss these things at length, so there's no question. That reference, 1 uh, Timothy, is phenomenal, because we, people do turn to fables, because sometimes fables are easier to believe than the basic, simple truth. It just makes life sometimes more exciting to believe in a fable and a fairy tale and uh, it just is not consistent with, uh, with the Bible. All right, we're going to Steve and Clearfield. Steve, you're on Heart of the Matter. Steve?
7: Hi, Sean. How are you?
0: Doing well. How are you?
7: Great. I just uh, wanted to touch base on us uh, being in the preexistence as literal sons and daughters of God. Okay. And that's always been a question of mine because if we were literal sons and daughters of God, and unfortunately, every one of us has committed incest.
0: Well, if I was LDS and arguing with you, I'd say, well, Steve, that's in a spiritual sense that we're all brothers and sisters and children of God, just like we're all brothers and sisters here in the flesh, but I'm married and I'm not committing incest. Okay. That's how I would answer you if I was LDS. Okay. Yeah. okay. They just put it in a different, you know, a different realm and a different dimension and Say, you know, with God, he, that's how we were all created. And in the flesh, we're all related somehow, too. We all come from Adam and Eve, etc.
6: I understand. Yeah.
0: The, pro- the problem with the preexistent uh, thing is, uh, you know, a lot of Latter-day Saints don't know what the Christian view is. I mean, where did we come from if, if we didn't come from a preexistence? And when God created Adam and Eve, God breathed his breath, his, uh, what is it, pneumas, the pneuma, into Adam. His breath, his spirit. That same word that is used when he breathed into Adam is the same word that talks about the Holy Ghost. And that life that went into Adam is what gave him his life. And it propagates through the species, that that spirit of God. There was no preexistent uh, uh, spirit, spiritual realm that Joseph Smith uh, came up with. Anything else, my friend? Yes.
7: Uh, I noticed that in this section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants, Yes. Well, it states uh, in uh, verse 8, Behold, mine house is a house of order. Yes. saith the Lord God, and not a house of confusion. Well, I'm confused. <laughs> uh, bah, bah, bah. Excellent. We have the Kingston Group, the Lafferty's, the All Red Group, Singer and Swaps, the FLDS, which is Warren Jeffs, who's all over the news, the RLDS, and the LeBarons. Then we have the LDS Church, uh, wow. in Salt Lake City and abroad, wow, and they're not even abiding by an everlasting covenant
0: right uh,
7: verse four for behold, I reveal unto you a new and everlasting covenant. I don't know about you, Sean, but everlasting should be forever, and if you abide not that covenant, then you are then you are damned yeah. for no one can reject this covenant and be permitted to enter into my glory yeah and six says and as pertaining to the new and everlasting covenant. It was instituted for the fullness of my glory, and that he that receive, receiveth the fullness thereof must and shall abide the law, or he shall be damned,
0: yeah. saith the Lord God. Hey, you know what? We, I, I appreciate your insights. You have great questions and comments. I challenge people to read Doctrine and Covenants 132, which needs to be rescinded by the church if they want to be able to tell the world that they don't stand for polygamy anymore. I don't know how they're going to rescind a new and everlasting covenant like you said, But that needs to happen if the church is going to progress and try to become somewhat uh, in line with the body of Christ. Thank you so much for your call and for the insights. Thank you, Sean, and God bless you. God bless you. Take care. We're going to Nicole in Salt Lake City. First-time caller. Nicole, you're on Heart of the Matter. Nicole? Hi. Hi.
8: (laughs) My husband's listening to your show in the other room, and I guess there's a bit of a delay. Yeah,
0: don't listen to that.
8: Okay, let me close the door here real quick. Okay. That. Otherwise, I'll get confused. But um, I was just calling because I heard your conversation with uh, John earlier, who is a Mormon, uh-huh. and I'm actually Muslim. Um, I used to be Catholic, and I was raised, you know, firmly believing in the Trinity and everything. But the uh-huh. question is, you know, you seemed very confused about the concept of the trinity well not necessarily confused but mystified by it you didn't have an exact answer for it
0: yeah there's no answer for it in human terms but go ahead are you going to give me one
8: yeah i was just going to say um because of that i was just wondering how can you believe in something that doesn't make sense kind of deal i mean one of the reasons why i chose to leave christianity was it didn't make sense anymore for me to believe that Jesus is God. It makes more sense to believe in him in, as just a prophet. I mean, I still have great respect yeah. for him,
0: but well, you, the a prophet. Well, let me give you the insight. I believe that the natural mind uh, uh, needs to make things uh, make sense. And I think that uncertainty is a terrible place to be. And so the more concrete answers you can get in life, the more uh, you naturally are going to want to go down those avenues. But I believe that God is beyond our comprehension. I can't comprehend a plant being created, let alone an earth, a universe, and us spinning 66,000 miles in orbit around a sun. I can't comprehend the power or magnificence that does that, that created it, that keeps it in motion, let alone uh, who he is. So I'm not mystified in the sense that, wow, the, the Trinity, I don't understand what the concepts are, but I refuse to try to explain who God is because my mind is finite and so is yours. Mm-hmm. And, and I've turned from certainty, the, the, actually the comfort of certainty, so that I can turn to faith. And with faith, you trust that he is who he says he is and that you will follow him under what those conditions are.
8: Yeah, but I wonder where he says that then, because throughout the entire Bible, there's no reference to God being a trinity. No, you mean the word trinity? Yeah, the word trinity yeah. or saying that God is three persons. It always says your the Lord God is one God.
0: Yeah, and so... Uh, you don't think when Jesus said, I and my father are one, or when he said, Philip, you've seen me, and you asked, show us the Father. Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You don't think that bodes well to a, a Trinitarian concept?
8: I believe when he says, I and my father are one, in the context of the verse, it, it's referring to one in intent, one in purpose. And uh, all of the early prophets were referred to as sons of God and being close to God. You well, see the reflection of God in their faith.
0: Here, herein lies the problem with the thought, in my opinion, and, and, and my opinion is the Christian opinion. Christianity, or Judaism, departed from the polytheistic world and be, by claiming one God. And uh, The problem is you're either going to come to polytheism or you're going to come where Jesus was just a prophet and uh, or something like that or or a fraud and I refuse to go down that road because what works best for me is uh, believing that there is one God and uh, that uh, they operate in the forms of Father Son and Holy Ghost I appreciate your call please call back and I'm gonna try to address that Trinity issue next week we gotta go okay great thank you so much you too bye Bye bye-bye okay we have a special guest that I'd like to introduce you to. His name is Shane. Shane, has um, he was LDS until seven years ago and uh, he comes from a very active LDS family, uh, 11 children, he being the only one who does not practice the religion anymore and Shane is going to share his story with us. Welcome my brother.
9: Thank you, Sean. Well, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to do this today and uh and uh, share this story with your television audience. Uh, I'll start by, uh, prior to me uh, knowing the Lord as I do today, I was uh, a young father. I had two children, uh, four and two years old. We were, my wife and I were young parents. I thought we knew a few things, but the more we tried to raise our children and live life as it came at us, it was uh, a struggle. And we did have both have a Mormon background and an LDS family. And, and we, uh, we knew we were missing something. And, and we thought to uh, do something about it. And uh, as time went on, we received a flyer on our doorstep that uh, invited us to a non-denominational uh, Bible church that uh, was doing a four-week seminar on, on parenting. And that was right down our alley. We needed help with that. And even having that uh, LDS background, we thought we'd just give this a try and and see exactly uh, what it had to offer. And at that point, we, we went through the four weeks. We learned stuff that we practice today. Um, the Bible has a lot of good things about parenting, about life, about uh, God that uh, we didn't know. And on that fourth week, we also had an opportunity to uh, accept uh, Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We were kind of asked if we had a, uh, we were doing a very good job of running our own life, and, uh, and uh, my answer immediately to that was no. I have a uh, pretty rough history of, of uh, doing what it is that I wanted to do, and my wife had her struggles as well. But um, we had the opportunity to. Uh, to let God run our life and to accept Jesus into our life and submit to His will and His ways. And uh, at that time we did that. Uh, since then, our life has never been the same. Um, after about six or eight weeks or so of, of attending this church, I, I uh, walked up to a fellow brother there and asked him what the difference was between me attending this Christian church and, and going to the LDS church. And at that time, I got an answer that I uh, thought I'd never get, and it was that we worship a different God. And at that point, I really dwelt into study, into finding out what He meant by that, uh, who the God was of the Bible, and who the God was of Mormon doctrine, uh, the Book of Mormon. And the more I I sought uh, truth, the more I found that, uh, that there was a huge difference and it was important for me to to go with what uh what my head told me not my heart having a lds background having uh the my roots in lds but yet finding out what i did through the bible it just it took me back but uh i've gotta i've gotta put my faith in what the bible teaches there's there's uh, so much truth in the bible and i did all my study and at this and, and to this day, um, I would uh, go to my grave standing behind the Bible, knowing that it's the truth and it uh, has set me free. Uh, the nature of God, in my opinion, is spirit, and that's how he should be worshipped. And uh, my life today has never been better. Uh, I live for God. My family lives for God. We we. Uh, do the things that we're asked to. We're far from perfect. We sin, but we also look to our, our Lord Savior for forgiveness, and He does just that. We're uh, Again, I want to thank you for this time for me to share that. That's it in a nutshell, but uh, thank you, Hey, this guy is
0: fantastic. Let me tell you something. People who think that when you become a Christian, you become, um, you become uh, lazy. And you stop serving and, and, and all the things that, that, the general things that people think. But, you know, Shane, he has come voluntarily. The guy one time came from another state so he could be here to help us behind the scenes without pay, just to help. And he, and he throws him wherever he can with his wife and with his kids, as others do on the station. When you come to know the Lord, there are no bounds to what your service is going to be. There is no bounds for your love. There's no bounds for your willingness to serve Him. And I, I believe that, uh, that uh, LDS people, they have so much going for them. You have a, a, a very good religious organization. And uh, you have people who really do want to please God. I know that. I was there with you. Uh, I don't think that the people in there are in there lightly. And that you take, uh, take the religion as though it was just a way to es- escape from uh, the duties of being a Christian. I think it's very important to you. But the truth is very important from the Bible. And I think that you turn to fables at one point in time. And you need to turn from those fables and come to know the true and living Jesus Christ. To be born again. To turn your entire life and will over to Him. Where you will have eyes to see and ears to hear, a heart that's converted, and you will be healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Next week, join us again on Heart of the Matter as we address more pressing issues between the LDS and Christian debate. See you then!
7: I'm on a ride Going nowhere The dawn's waiting till a hundred monkeys know And I can feel the light-filled monkeys start